to Freedom to Choose from Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit providing hope to those caught in the devastation of addiction or who are searching for a better way to live. In this series, Parables and Object Lessons, you'll learn how and why Jesus used the physical world to introduce the spiritual world to his disciples and how the laws of nature relate to the Bible. Rich and Susan Kallenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom over two decades ago from their out-of-control lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. Now here's Rich and Susan with Solutions for Freedom on Freedom to Choose. Hello everyone, my name is Rich Kallenberg. And my name is Susan Kallenberg. And welcome uh, once again to Freedom to Choose, Parables and Object Lessons. And this is program number 35 uh, for your reference, if you want to reference back to it at a later date, uh, you can go on our website, www.justasiamministries.com, and you can actually reach all of our archived radio programs. Um, that's www.justasiamministries.com. And uh, once again, this is program number 35 in the series Parables and Object Lessons for your reference. And Susan, before we get going, would you like to open the program with a word of prayer? Yes. Our loving Father in heaven, we come to you once again thanking you for your um, love and your grace and your mercy towards each one of us. And we just pray right now as we discuss some of those attributes that you would enlighten our minds and uh, soften our hearts that we would be open to change where change is necessary. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, change where change is next. I had to get in on that prayer there a little wow, bit. Wow, I know. Wow, because, uh, <laughs> you, you know, it's just, uh, um, I get, when you pray, I get really involved in what you're saying, and, and, and um, you know, this whole series, really, Parables and Object Lessons, a lot of the things that we describe in here and that we're coming to the conclusion of, the more we talk about these stories that Jesus tells and what he's addressing, we're finding that, that he's basically addressing a certain issue all the time, and that is character development. It's, it's dealing with our selfish, sick, and fearful natures that we have. Right. I think sometimes we, when we're... Um you know, have during our Christian walk, we think about you know the things that I need to do and I should be doing and I want to do, and and I think that God is saying, well, what is deep down inside in your heart that um what what actually is motivating you? You know, where where is you know go beyond go below that surface of your outward actions and what's driving? What are the driving forces in your in your mind for motivation and for um, love for one another. Yeah, yeah, interesting. And, you know, last time we talked about the Good Samaritan, and today we're going to talk about the rich young ruler, and and we're going to talk about, like you say, and motivations and, and whatnot, and what Jesus was really trying to get to with this guy. You know, with um, and today's program's based on Matthew 19 and Matthew 20, Mark 10, and in Luke 18, and, uh, well, let's take a look at at this parable, you know? 
Okay, so the truth of God's free grace had been almost lost sight of the Jews. The rabbis taught that God's favor must be earned. They hoped to gain the reward of righteousness by their own works. Their worship was prompted by a proud, selfish spirit. It's easy to pick on them because, you know, they're the people in the past, and we can see those attributes. Remember, in recovery, it's like you spot it, you got it. Spot it, you got it. <laughs> yeah, and so it's easy to spot it and get in. And, 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 but you know what? What Jesus is addressing here, fear manifests itself, you know, mostly in pride. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we got that infection. We got that infection of fear back from Adam when Adam broke trust with God, and we've talked about it before, when you break trust with someone, it's hard to look them in the eye, and you kind of run from them, and you feel guilty, and you want the spotlight off yourself and the spotlight onto someone else, and that's exactly what happened in Eden. When God came in and he said, where are you, Adam? And Adam said, I'm afraid, and I hid myself, and he, you know, who told you you were naked? You're you're not getting that from me. Why are you running from me? And then he says, he says, what happened? And he says, well, the woman, get the spotlight off of me, the woman. And see, you can tell right off the get-go, Adam is afraid. He's making excuses. He's blaming everybody in the room but himself. And we inherited that from Adam, that infection of fear and selfishness. And it it manifests itself in the most sick fashion in pride. Right, because then I think that you see with what was happening with um, the Jewish nation back then, and I think now what can happen in all of our daily lives is that there's always um, sometimes in our life where we're putting other people down in order right. to pump ourselves To make up. ourselves be, right. look better. Because, For some reason, well, we have this need to look better. Because it's that, I think it's motivated by fear. Yeah. You know, don't let anybody know my weaknesses, or um, I don't want to be like any, I'm, yeah, it just, yeah, I mean, Adam put his wife down immediately in front of God. No, 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 she's the bad one. Right. Not me. Right. You know, and, and it, we've been doing it ever since. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is it's, the more that infection of fear drives us and the prouder we get, the harder it is for God to speak to it, or not to speak for, for us to hear him. Right. You right. know, and, be, and in fact, it can get so bad that you can nail your creator to the cross and think you're doing God a favor. Right. Oh, that's scary. Right. You know. Because that's what happened with the Jews of old, is that they saw this character that Jesus was exemplifying in his life about, you know, we go on and we talk about in this parable about, you know, love your neighbor, and um, he's, you know, as a nation, they saw him do this, and it just infuriated them. Yeah, they didn't like the looks of love. Right, they didn't like that characteristic of God, that that was, that, you know, when if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, um, Jesus says in John Fifteen, And so they just, they had to, in order for their religion and their society to continue to thrive, to they work. had it right, they had to um, exterminate that element from, mm. from the face of the earth. But, you know, when um, people try to tamp down God's work, it just seems to flourish. Seems and that's, to, yes. that's what happened. Seems to grow, doesn't it? Yes. So even the disciples of Jesus weren't free from a proud, selfish spirit. Jesus looked for every opportunity. He was always looking for opportunities to help them with the issue. Now remember when they were jockeying for their future position at the throne? Or when they wanted to place themselves above others and call fire down and destroy people? Or when they were too proud to have him wash their feet? You could see the manifestation of this 
even in the disciples, see, it's all the symptoms of a disease we have, the infection of fear that drives us to try to protect ourselves at others' expense. Right, and so now we start with the parable. As he was walking by the way, a young ruler came running to Jesus and kneeled reverently, saluting him, saying, Good master, he said, what good thing shall I do that I might in, in have eternal life? And Jesus said to him, If you will enter, you will enter into life if you keep the commandments. Yeah. And so the young ruler said to him, Well, which ones? And Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Right. Jesus had answered him by speaking of the law given in Sinai. He mentioned several commandments from the second table of the Ten Commandments. Then he summed them all up in the precept, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man answered without hesitation, All these things I have kept from my youth, what lack I yet? Now, wait a minute. I thought we were talking about grace today, grace and salvation. Right here, Jesus states as clearly as you possibly can, Mm -hmm. if you wish to be saved, keep the Ten Commandments. So what's up? Hmm. Well... Um, it depends on how you look at things, right? Do you do we are we keeping the commandments in order to form a relationship with God, or is keeping the commandments a byproduct of a relationship oh, with God? Okay. So Jesus, in a nutshell, is saying, if you wish to be in harmony with heaven, if you wish to live the way the rest of the universe lives, if you want to live in my kingdom, don't be selfish. Don't hurt other people. At you know, don't, rise above them at their expense. Right. Right, don't push people down right. for your survival. Because, see, the opposite of love is not hate. It's selfishness. The Ten Commandments are a teaching tool. They teach us how not to be selfish. But we can't acquire that desire without the grace of God working in our lives. When we live selfishly, we're telling God and the angels that we have a better way, that we know what's best. When we live selfishly, we're placing ourselves ahead of God. Because in the process of living selfishly, we are changing ourselves into selfish people. There'll be no takers in heaven. That's why Jesus said, don't take. Keep the commandments. In fact, earlier on, Jesus said, don't even think about taking. Man's destiny will be determined by his spiritual health. Are we healthy? Or do we spread infection? Do we spread fear? Do we spread distrust? Right. Because healthy people don't hurt other people, and that's all the commandments are about. Don't take from God. Don't take from your neighbor, because healthy people don't take. Yeah, healthy people don't take. In fact, let's let's break the commandments down, last, at least the last six. Don't take your father and mother's reputation. Mm-hmm. In other words, honor your father and mother. Don't take your neighbor's life. In other words, thou shalt not kill. Don't take his stuff. Thou shalt not steal. Don't take his reputation. In other words, don't bear false witness. Don't take his wife. In other words, don't commit adultery. And then the last one, don't even think about taking. Which Thou shalt not covet. Right. I mean, it is so clear. He's trying to teach us. He's trying to turn us from takers into givers. And the Ten Commandments are a teaching tool. The Word of God is a teaching tool. His parables are a teaching tool. And they teach us about his character. 
Well, and I think too is, um, you know, we can learn all of this information, right? We can we right. can go from someone who doesn't know anything about the Bible and assimilate all this information. But if that information doesn't change you, if that information doesn't drop from your head to your heart and make you a different person, all it is is more information. Uh huh. And so, um, because if you looked at at the young ruler by and judged him by our standards. By our standards. Right. You would, you'd look on the outside, and the young ruler had a good character. He did everything right. He thought that his religion was flawless, just like Paul. But he probably had some secret fear that all was not right between he and God. Otherwise, he wouldn't have come to Jesus and said, what must I do? Yeah, and then not only that, but then he, he asked the question, what lack I yet? In other words, I, I got it going on here. Right. I do all that. So if he really in his heart said, I, you know, I'm good, I, I'm keeping those commandments, then why does he ask, what lack I yet? See, he's got, there's something inside of him. So Jesus, of course, says, if thou will be perfect, go and sell what you have and give to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sad, for he had great possessions. In other words, it came home to him that he loved himself more than he loved others. Right, because Jesus was trying to reveal something to this young man, and he gave him the test that would show the selfishness of his heart. He showed him the plague spot in his character. You know, I think that um, I, I probably have some of that same, you know, that same fear mm-hmm. of, um, you know, having possessions and, and security and earthly things when... Um, you know, all of that can be gone in a puff of smoke or, or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, do, do, we put, do we put our things above people? Right. Yeah, and, and I, it's hard because you have all your wants and needs met mm-hmm. to not turn into that person whose wants and needs are always met. And right. so when you take the wants and needs away, that person doesn't really know how to live without his wants and needs met. Mm-hmm. See, so it's us up to us to kind of reset every day our priorities. Right. And you, you know, know what I'm... Right. I, I, and I think that that's, you know, I know um, this may seem kind of strange, but I think that's the blessing of the first 25 years or 35 years of my life is that, you know, when you're out there on the streets... <clears throat> and you're a drug user and everything, you basically have nothing except yeah. for that moment, right? Right. And so I think that, you know, in, in a weird way, it's a it was a blessing because I think I could probably go back to that and mm-hmm. survive. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? But because do you want to? Do I want to? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I like where I'm at right now, but mm-hmm. if it was necessary for my salvation, I would say absolutely. Okay. And I think that when we as people, especially in this world, we're, we're all, um, you know, the majority of us are richer than everybody else and the rest of the world compared to, you mm-hmm. know, the world standards. Um, and a lot of us haven't dealt with hardship. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, so are we all going to throw a big tantrum when everything's taken away? I don't know. I don't know. And so, you know, are we going to God on a daily basis and saying, you know, Lord, help me to be thankful for what I have, and, and if it's all gone, to be thankful for what I have? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that has to be... That big picture has got to remain solid. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. See, and, and 
the young man he kind of understood that he had a he had an idol in his heart. He had a he had a different god. The world was his god. You know? Mm-hmm. He professed to keep the commandments, but he was destitute of the principle which is the very spirit of life and of every one of the commandments and that means, you know, of course focusing on others. He didn't possess true love for God or man. In his love of self and money, he was out of harmony with the way heaven works. Right. To be a disciple of Jesus, we first need to accept the conditions of discipleship. You mean there are conditions? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. The question is, is can we give ourselves and our resources unreservedly to God? At the call of Jesus, John, Peter, Matthew, and their companions left all, rose up, and followed him. That's in Luke 5. Um, the same consecration was required of the young ruler, and he was not able to um, um, agree with that assignment. Mm-hmm. And he went away sad, it says. You know, when I think a lot of us are like, like I said before, a lot, I can't, you know, it just keeps coming on my heart. A lot of us are like that young ruler, you yeah. know, young, rich ruler. We have the riches of this world. Yeah. And are they preventing us from having that closer walk with God and mm-hmm. and having that assurance of salvation? Yeah, because like, like I say, if, if, you tr- if you're tr- trained to live on having everything— when everything is removed, your world crumbles. Right. Your world will crumble. And so now think about this. We think, okay, Jesus was a hard taskmaster because he asked this guy to do that, but he didn't ask him to sacrifice any more than he himself had made. Remember, Jesus was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. That's 2 Corinthians 8 9. He doesn't ask us to sacrifice more than he did either. Just follow where he leads. And of course, what he says, follow me, he says, Peter and James and John counted this a privilege. Right. The young man probably looked at Jesus with admiration and his heart was undoubtedly even drawn towards him, but he wasn't ready to accept the principle of self-sacrifice. He chose his riches before Jesus. He wanted eternal life but wouldn't receive into his heart that unselfish love which alone is life. And with a sorrowful heart, he turned away from Christ. You know, and as he turned away, Jesus said to his disciples, how hard it is for them that have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And of course, these words probably blew the disciples away because they had been taught that rich people were the favorites of heaven. That was the, that was the prevailing religion religious mindset of the day that is if you were rich you were blessed of god and if you were not rich you were cursed of god and so they'd been taught that the rich people were the favorites and of course they themselves hoped to receive notoriety and riches in the kingdom in the life to come so naturally they thought if the rich can't enter the kingdom what hope could be there be there for them? Right. And Jesus answered again and said unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were astonished out of measure. And I think probably at this time they realized that they were also included in that war- in that warning. Right. 
in you know in right the light. because first they were they thought they were just talking about the rich yeah man, yeah not yeah me, we got right? this guy you know yeah look at this you know and 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 then Jesus says he just says all these things that are 180 degrees different from what they believed as they as they went along with Jesus he was constantly doing and saying the wrong things. Why are you touching that leper? Why are you speaking to that Samaritan woman? Why, right. you know... So every- he challenged all their traditional thoughts and, um, um, you know, all of their um, superstition and traditions and everything, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, and then, of course, what do they say? With doubts about themselves, they cried, well, then who can be saved? And Jesus, of course, looking at looking at them, he said, "With men, it's po- it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible." Right. So you know, when we look back on this parable, it's really not about the money. No, it's not about money. Right. It's it's about loving or not loving your neighbor. What is it in this world that we love more than our neighbor? Is it our desire to criticize? Is it our own opinion? Is it our stuff? What is it that we're not willing to give up? I think that's where the rubber meets the road. And Jesus is saying, look in the deep you know, recesses of your mind and your heart and see what prevents you from you know, seeing everybody else in the same light that he sees them as a, as a child of God or as you know, in need of salvation, just like we're children of God in need of salvation. Yeah, yep. The parable is not about money. It's about love. And if you break down... What happened in Eden with Adam, it was about love and trust. Right. Adam broke love and trust. If you break down the book of Job, it's not whether or not Job cursed God or not. That's not what's going on there. The book of Job is an attack on the way God's government is set up. Will your children love you, or do you have to bribe them? That's the question that the devil rose. You take away everything Job has, and he'll curse you to your face. In other words, in front of the rest of the universe, the jo- j- uh, the devil accuses God of bribing Job for his worship and for his love. Does Job serve you because he loves you, or does he serve you for the goodies? Let's take away his goodies and see what happens. You see, and so the 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 entire Bible is about love, and God is love, and what will love do? Love will go to extremes. Mm -hmm. Love will knock you off your horse if it's the only way love can get your attention. I think we talked about it one time before. Love will scrape the bottom of a child's feet and pour iodine on it, right? Because that's what happened to me because I had a staph infection, and my mom and dad had to do that. Mm Mm-hmm. Love will do all kinds of things, and that's what the Bible is about. It's about love. Right, and love will wash your feet in order to— To win your heart. Right, to win our hearts. And that's the thing. I think that, you know, we have given our hearts over to the evil one, and God's whole purpose is to win our hearts back. He's not there to beat us into submission or to have us fearful so that we're so scared we um, are afraid of him. He desires that um, we would come into relationship and have that restoration— yeah. That Adam lost in the beginning. And that's where the grace comes in. Because with man, it's impossible to see what we're holding on to. We can't see what our problems are. We can't see what our fear is driving us to do, let alone find the cure. But with God, all things are possible. By beholding the love of Christ, the selfish heart can be melted. The rich man 
us, in fact, can be led, just like Saul the Pharisee was led, to say, what things were gained to me that I count loss for Christ? Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord. Philippians 3, 7. Paul set it all aside because he got it. It was about love. Now he says, let every man be fully persuaded in their own mind, rather than dragging them out of the house and trying to force them to believe the way he did. Mm-hmm. You know, And he wrote, First Corinthians, is it First Corinthians thirteen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just wonderful stuff. The Bible says perfect love casts out fear, and what have we identified as our problem in this? Is fear is our problem? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, folks, we uh, w- these programs are available on our website www.justasiamministries.com. Remember, folks, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. The other is like everything is a miracle, and you have the freedom to choose. Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There is truly hope for people whose lives seem to be overrun with problems, possibly caught up in unhealthy relationships, or even imprisoned by some form of addiction. Rich and Susan Collenberg, past addicts, are living testimonials that biblical principles do work. They've authored resources available to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook, Seven Steps to Freedom, or the book, Could It Be This Simple? The Way Out of Your Prison, please call 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they're supported by people like you. 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. 